The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Folks, I went back and forth for, well, I'm not going to lie to you, about five minutes. Not an extraordinarily long time. I went back and forth on what we should do on today's podcast. Do we continue our exploration of team depth charts? Because we got through four out of the six divisions. We got two more of those to go. Or do we continue our discussion from Friday on Yahoo's early ADP numbers? Which, by the way, as we're working through these, they actually could change on us. As we got as far as... uh, Where did we get last time? Did we get to Zion? I forget. I think we got as far as Zion last time. And I, I might not even know it. It might just It might just jump on me. For instance, Clay Thompson is already on his way down, not surprisingly, given he's going to be out for the year. So other names are going to move around a little bit, and that also makes that more complicated. So this is how I end up coming with coming up with today's plan. Because Yahoo ADP numbers are changing, I think we should probably try to do that exploration here all in one fell swoop. That is, it's not all going to be on one show, But it's going to be on a a sequence here. So starting Friday, we'll continue it today. Probably be done by Wednesday, if I had to guess. Maybe tomorrow if we work quickly. But, you know, why rush if there are things to talk about? And then we'll pivot back into the depth chart exploration. And then we should have some mock draft results to go over starting, I would assume, next week. Which, by the way, puts us relatively close to the start of the season. Um, next week is December 7th. Tomorrow is three weeks from the start of the NBA season. This is like October 1st on any other year. Which is, uh, crazy? I mean, what the heck? How did this happen? So, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday to you all. Hope everybody had a lovely Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoyed whatever time you could sort of cull together with loved ones, whoever was in your pod, and we all know how that goes these days. It's a weird year. It's a weird year. The way I put all this in, in not perspective necessarily, but the way that I can sort of justify it in my brain is to say, it's just one time, probably. It's just one time, probably. So it's okay. You know, we had a couple of grandparents that were able to, we were able to do our best to to kind of quarantine And so we had, like, five of us. And that's just how it was this year. And it felt fine. It was good. Hope you guys had a good one as well. Um, Everybody's staying safe out there, and and we'll just, you know, keep trucking along. It is, by all accounts, a very weird year. Rolling into December now. Holiday season continues. I'm Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I think most of you guys know that by now. But this is the time of year where new folks are finding their fantasy podcast for the year so hopefully that's some of you guys listening in right now hello to you specifically very happy to have you along you can follow me on twitter at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s or just google search dan from hoopball that's a much easier way you don't have to try to spell my last name my twitter account pops up it's right there in the top three results and you can follow me there uh happy to answer questions about fantasy stuff um not going to give you my you know not going to give you everything on Twitter, <laughs> but hit me up. If you got questions, happy to have a dialogue with you. Uh, my my DMs are open, but not generally for fantasy-related questions. If you have um, a couple of reasons, you can hit me up on the DM side if you'd like to. One, hoop ball leagues are filling up now. We're going to start to put a clamp on those because we're getting close to draft day, which is, I think, like a week about a week away, if I'm not mistaken. We'll start the slow drafts in those about a week away. And those usually run for 7 to 10 days each. So that's why we started so early. You can DM me about that. Uh, or you can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I don't have the exact roster list in front of me here. I can try to pull it up maybe while I'm talking. Anyway, it doesn't actually really matter all that much. Suffice to say, we're probably not going to be open, opening additional 
types of leagues. Like, unless there's this big surge here over the next couple of days, which there might be because we are getting close to the season and people are truly now beginning to pay attention to it, but it's just everything is so weird this year. Um, we have nine cat. Everything is nine category this year. We're just keeping it simple because it was a, a weird kind of fast year to get this all put together. Head-to-head in Roto Leagues, we have a $50 buy-in of each type and a free iteration of each type. So please do hit me up if you want to join those last couple of slots in each of those four types of leagues. Then we'll probably stop opening new ones because we don't want to get stuck with a you know four-person league and then having to either just play it out or punt four people. That's That's crummy. So we'll... You know, we'll, we'll start a wait list, and then if a league fills up, we'd obviously open a new one. But if it doesn't, that would mean now is the time to hit me up. Also, on that same front, if you want to DM me, uh, we are recruiting here at HoopBall. Looking for folks on the fantasy writing side, fantasy podcasting side, team coverage side, sports betting, DFS. And this is for all sports. If you're good at other sports besides basketball, awesome. Even better on the DFS and sports betting side. Uh, looking for people in our sales division. This is the time of year where HoopBall, we are out there. We are recruiting. We have uh, contributor spots open generally on the the uh, fantasy and what have you side. And then with the sales stuff, obviously that's a way to to make a little bit of money as well. So bug me about any or all of that stuff at Dan Bespris. Again, is the Twitter handle. I hope to hear from you guys soon. HoopBall, you can follow on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy. That's the feed where you can get all the up-to-the-minute blurbs over at HoopBall. So, as promised, we're diving into Yahoo ADPs today, uh, continuing our dive, I should say. And on our last one, I believe we got through the top 24. Um, Although, looking back now, I guess it's conceivable that we only got through the top 20. Regardless, we're going to go Ace Ventura uh, deep breath style here to play a little catch-up on the top list. And I think, I'm trying to remember in my mind, Friday feels like a long time ago, but I think we got as far as Zion. So, here's the top... 24 ADP guys. I don't know if it actually corresponds perfectly, but uh, very quickly here. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Cat, Nikola Jokic, Dame Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, John Collins, Brad Beal, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Russell Westbrook, Bam Adebayo, and Zion Williamson. I think that's where we stopped on Friday. And if I'm wrong about that, you guys can yell at me on Twitter, and I'm fine with it. Um, I thought Adebayo was going earlier. It's possible Yahoo might have even adjusted some of their names over the weekend because this list does look a tiny bit different to me. But we're going to pick up at... at uh, we'll go back a couple of picks just to make sure that we didn't miss any names mixed in there. Um, I think we, I'm fairly certain we talked about Devin Booker. Fairly certain we talked about DeAndre Ayton as someone that kind of belongs in that neighborhood. But just in case we didn't, that's where we'll start. We'll start on DeAndre Ayton, who had an EP of 21.3, and I've lost track of what that corresponds to in this actual list. So maybe I should actually count that out. It's 20. Paused it. I paused the show to count it so you guys didn't have to listen to that nonsense. So DeAndre Ayton was number 20, which actually makes a decent amount of sense. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but my mouse left click is not working as well, and it all seemed to correspond with the internet going out briefly in my home. So now I might need to get a new mouse. What a pain in the butt. All right, well, we'll do that after the podcast. That's not your problem. Anyway, suffice to say that DeAndre Ayton had a terrible bubble while his team was playing extraordinarily well, but overall he was number 32, missed a ton of time with injury and suspension, But in terms of going around 20, if he can stay even marginally healthy, he has a pretty good shot to get near that mark. He's a very safe center in that neck of the woods. I think we talked about this, though. Russell Westbrook too early in in nine category drafts here around 21. His ADP is 21.8 there. Makes more sense in eight category leagues. Adebayo, who I think is actually going to miss some time and will likely get overdrafted this year. Seems like he's now dropping just a little bit at 23. And then Zion at 24 is is nuts. I, I don't I don't know what's happening here. Dude was... Uh, I mean, he wasn't even in the top 200 by the end of the bubble. And he'll be better than that, make no mistake. But, geez. This one's kind of interesting. Uh, so I think that's where we left off, but I might be wrong. In any event... 
whatever. It's where we're on, where, where we're at now. Kyrie Irving is number 25 on the board, and he, of course, is a really interesting case study because he only played 20 games last year, and he was number six on a per-game basis in nine category leagues, which is pretty remarkable. Like, he was up there with Cat and Kawhi and Dame in that kind of second grouping of dudes behind Harden and Anthony Davis. But he's never healthy. It just doesn't happen. Yet last year was, by all accounts, a throwaway season. 20 games was, uh, you know, that, that was... I don't think he's been anywhere close to that. I mean, it, he's had some 50 burgers in there over his career, but yeah, he just he just wasn't right, and there was no reason to push him because last year was the wait on Kevin Durant year for Brooklyn. This is the year that the Nets... Obviously, they want Kyrie and KD healthy come playoff time, but I think they also realize that they need to have some time playing together. So I would expect in a 72-game season that Kyrie's going to be gunning for somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 ball games. And last year, I mean, just, I mean, doing it from a percentages standpoint, 60 out of 72 is about 83%. If you had done that in, well, whatever the heck, what did, what did Brooklyn play pre-bubble last year? It was about 64 games, something like that. Let's just call it 64. That would have been 53 games. So if you're looking at someone in the, uh, the top grouping, meaning guys that were putting up very large per-game stats that missed about 20% of their team's games, look no further than Kawhi Leonard. Look no further. He played 51 games as the number three guy last year. And by the way, the separation between Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving on a per-game basis was actually not all that much. It's about the difference between Kyrie and, and Dame behind him. So, yes, this is not a perfect comparison, but it ain't far. Kawhi Leonard missed about 20% of his team's games during the pre-bubble regular season last year. What a weird thing to say, by the way, pre-bubble regular season. And he was still number six. Meaning that if you get a Kyrie, who's, by the way, he's not going to be number six again this year because Kevin Durant is playing, and that's, that's an important caveat that we'll add here at the end of the discussion. But if you're talking about a Kyrie Irving that, I mean, let's say he goes from number... He was number five, actually. I'm sorry. He was number five before the bubble. That if he goes from number five and he's taking 21 shots a game last year, let's say that trends down back more towards what he was doing during his Boston or Cleveland years, which was more like, well, <laughs> with LeBron, it was like 17 shots a game in Cleveland. Although his last year in Cleveland uh, was with LeBron and he was taking... Uh, 19 and a half, almost 20 shots a game. In Boston, he was at 18, 18 and a half, and 19 during his three seasons with the Celtics. So let's take his 21 shots back down to around 19. Let's say he drops off two shots per game, which puts him maybe a hair, like right around his, his 2018, 2019 Boston. Sorry, he's only in Boston in two years. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, the third thing I'm looking at was a playoff, a playoff bucket. So Boston years was 18 and 18 and a half. Let's say that he, he's somewhere close to his second year in Boston in terms of usage. That it's going to be 18 and a half, 19 shots a game. Something in, it's something in that territory. That puts him in, in the neighborhood about 24 points per game. Roughly. 24. 23, 23 to 24 points per game. The assists probably are... Not as high as that year in Boston where he averaged seven. He's been much closer to five throughout his career. Five, five and a half, something in that neck of the woods. He's not going to rebound all that much. He'll get you about 1.3 steals per game. That's been his spot throughout his career. Not going to block that many shots. He'll get you about two and a half, three pointers a game. Something in that neck of the woods. He's a pretty easy guy to handicap if you know or can at least take a shot at his, his usage. Kyrie Irving was number nine that season in Boston. Played 67 games, which, by the way, is not that far off missing the 20% pace. He was number nine that year, uh, averaging 24, 5, and 7. The steals and assists were probably on the high side. Free throw percent and total free throws was probably a hair on the low side. His totals rank that year was 14. It's not actually that crazy 
that even a dinged-up Kyrie Irving this year, even a dinged-up Kyrie Irving, if he plays 80% of his team's games, he could be a top 15 guy. And I know what I'm telling you guys makes your stomach turn because this is Kyrie Irving, and you know he's going to be missing games. And in head-to-head, that's a really tough pill to swallow because you don't know when they're coming, and you just pray that it's not during your head-to-head playoffs. Although, you know, with him, when it's an injury-prone guy, it's usually not silly season stuff. I'm sure he'll take a game off down the stretch. Basically, every superstar does. But his games tend to be, you know, a a week here, a week there, throughout most of his career, at least. Not this most recent season. So the fact that Kyrie Irving is going at 25 is actually really interesting to me. If he falls, I mean, I would happily take him in the third round. It's not as simple as the Chris Paul story last year. Chris Paul in the third round was the easiest fantasy play I think we've ever made on this podcast. The absolute easiest one we've ever called. Because the worst case scenario for him, he was getting drafted at like, 35, 38 last year. It was really, it was a grotesquely low number for CP3. The worst case scenario for him, not, you know, catastrophic injury was the worst case scenario for him, but the normal events of time, worst case scenario was like a couple hamstring things. He misses two weeks here, two weeks there, misses maybe like a month total over the course of the year, uh, misses like 15 to 20 games. He could have played 62 out of 82 games in a regular season, at the clip we knew he was going to function and still hit his ADP in the 30s. It's not quite so simple for Kyrie Irving this year. If he misses, say, 30% of his games, and he's more like John Collins last year, who played 41 games out of his team's 60-whatever, Collins ended up, where was he? He was in the 40s, I believe, last year, right? So that's maybe a, a better comparison to what you're looking for with Kyrie this year where if the bottom falls out and he plays in like 65 to 70% of his team's games, he could end up in the 40s. But every game he plays, literally every one single game he's on the court beyond that that two-thirds marker, which is basically what Collins was at this year, 41 out of, you know, 63-4 is just a shade under two-thirds. Every single one game that Collins would have played this last year, or let's say Kyrie this coming season... He probably jumps two to three slots. So if he gets up from, oh, what's two-thirds of uh, 72? Is that 48? 24, 24, and 24? Yeah, we can do this math in our head. So 48, let's call 48 the bottom marker for Kyrie. That puts him as a top 50 guy. If he gets to 50 games, that's two additional games, he's probably inside the top 40. If he gets to 55 games... He's almost definitely inside the top 30. And if he gets to 60 games, he's probably inside the top 20. Anything over that is crazy gravy, but the ADP on this dude is almost convincing me after he was a guy that I think all of us were like, nope, can't do it. I will say the guy right behind him, you can't do. Kemba Walker with an ADP of 27 is one of the dumbest things I've seen so far, and that's definitely headed down. As more drafts take place, that number's going down. He didn't come close to that. He wasn't even in that ballpark when he was healthy last year, so that one doesn't make any sense to me. I don't don't get it. He struck me as a guy that I thought would go really low, and I still wasn't going to take him because of the knee stuff. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but that's where he's at. Drew Holiday is... uh, his ADP is 28.3, but I think on our list here, this puts him at number 27. And that's that's a shade early for me. He was 33 by totals last year. Uh, he was in the 30s, later 30s, 37 by averages, and his usage is going down. Now, he can obviously make up for it with assists, rebounding threes, steals, blocks, stuff like that. And his free throw percent will probably be better this year. His turnovers will obviously be better, but I don't know. For me, even a guy like Drew that can get it done with steals and blocks and other stuff, usage still is tied to value. If you're drafting Drew Holiday in the late 20s, you are hoping he plays in every single game this year, and he just won't. I'm not I'm not on board with the Drew Holiday will find some sort of resurgence 
to his game thing here. Yeah, I, when it with Anthony Davis, there was always the storyline of like this guy didn't play in games because there wasn't anything to play for. Now and then he went to the Lakers, and it was like okay, it's prove it time with Drew Holiday. There's no prove it time. Everybody knows he can play. Everybody knows he's gonna be fine out there. But now he's on a Bucks team. He he went from the result. It's it's like showing your work on a high school math exam. You're getting to the same answer, which is he's not going to play in every game. But you're getting there two different ways. In New Orleans, he wasn't playing in every game because oftentimes they were knocked out of the playoffs, so there wasn't any reason to push him. In Milwaukee, it's because they really only need him for the playoffs to be that extra guy, to have that that third option, that uh, that that star point guard. I mean, that Bucks team is loaded as hell. They still have to figure out how to use Giannis in the postseason. But damn, what a starting lineup! Um, so I think he misses a couple games here and there for rest. I think his per-game minute total goes down. And I just, I, you know, there are ways that guys can make up that difference. We've talked about them before, efficiency, other stats, things of that nature. But if you just told me, look, Drew Holiday, who missed some, you know, 15-ish percent of his team's games last year, and let's say that that's a, a reasonable marker for this coming season. Maybe he even overperforms that mark, and maybe he only misses you know, 10% of his team's games. That'd be pretty good. He's not going to play 35 minutes a game for the Bucks. He just won't. They won't do it during the regular season when they're basically locked into a top-two seed in the East, no matter how much they play their guys. Because from a regular season standpoint, they are a machine. If I just walked up to you and I was like, look, I'm Drew Holiday's going to play five minutes less per game this year. Are you still going to take him in the 30s? You'd be like, probably not. So no thank you there. Ben Simmons is uh, 28. This is hard to keep track of because the ADP doesn't always match up with the actual slot that they're going in. Simmons was 34 last year, but uh, missed a few games late. He's generally been one of the more durable guys in the NBA. Not a long career, obviously, so far, but I expect him to play most of his team's games. I think you can generally, again, nothing is set in stone, but I think you can mostly assume he's going to be durable. He tends to have that 10th category we talk about, a 10-cat league, nine categories plus durability. So even if he's rocking a 30-something per-game number, he probably blows past that in totals, which makes this pick actually fine, provided you can balance out his free throw shooting. Donovan Mitchell going at 29. Pretty reasonable. He'll be behind that on a per-game note, but he also has the 10th category. He was number 49 last year on a per-game. Again, everything here pre-bubble stuff. But by totals, he was number 26. Of course, taking him at 29 does mean that you've limited the upside because top 25 is probably about as high as he goes. He had a good year, and looking at his numbers, I, like, I don't know what you expect will go up. He took 20 shots a game. Utah is adding, if anything, this season because Conley likely to be healthy more of the year. They put Derek Favors back in. Not that that's going to impact Donovan Mitchell very much, but now they've got Jordan Clarkson for the entire season. I think this is a little early for Donovan, for me, because I think we've wiped out uh, most of his upside by taking him at 29. I don't think he can go higher than 25, which is like, okay, well, then why am I taking him here? Even if I think this is probably where he's going to go, I-, I think that you know the window with him is probably between 45 and 25, so you're really not maximizing profit. Here's one that surprised me. Rudy Gobert at 30. I really thought he would go later than that this year. I really thought he would go later than that this year. Because, uh, well, by totals, he was number 14 this last season. But I didn't think that many people paid attention to those. Because Gobert was 33 by averages, but he played in 62 ball games. And so I thought, hmm, 33. People are probably going to take him, I don't know, maybe a slot or two past that. I thought he'd be going near 35. But he's going near 30, which doesn't sound like much, but it's enough because if he gets hurt now, that just it just wipes out a little bit here and there. So he was the guy a couple weeks ago. I did a show where I said, here's the guys I, I most likely to ex- to find on the Dan Vespers old man squad. And I thought Ruby, Rudy Gobert was like shoe in. But getting drafted at 30, it's not as it's not as much of a shoe in. 
probably will. Because if he plays, I mean, he, you know, he played in like 95% of his team's games last year. That's a number that I don't expect will hit again. But if he's playing in, you know, 90% of his game, team's games, which would be 65 this coming year, he'll beat 30. Because his per game mark will be probably right behind it. I don't know if he's going to play 34 and a half minutes a game this year with favors around. They'll probably have to scale him back just a little bit. So Arrow ever so slightly down for Gobert, and that's why I thought he'd go later than this. This does wipe a little bit out. Still, uh, you know, with him, I think the, the window is somewhere in that, like, similar, actually, Donovan Mitchell, you know, 45, but with an upside a little bit higher, 45 to 15 is probably the absolute best marker. So going around 30 kind of splits the difference, which is actually good because, as we've talked about before, every slot above towards the front end of a draft is actually worth more. The players are separated by bigger chunks of value. Um, quickly here, let's just take 30 seconds to go over what that means again for folks that are tuning in. It's a Monday, so we might have some listeners here for a first time. The difference between uh, a first rounder and a second rounder is much larger than the difference between a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder, among so many other discrepancies. Like, you know, Anthony Davis... If you compare Anthony Davis to Jimmy Butler, which is number one and number 13 last year, Anthony Davis is worth like two and a half Jimmy Butlers. The same gap you see between those two guys, which is effectively, you know, two and a half Jimmy Butlers, uh, or one and a half Jimmy Butlers would be the gap between them, is uh, the difference between Jimmy Butler and like Draymond Green. So from 13 to 86, the difference between the number 13 player and the number one player is the same as the number 13 player and the number 80 player. So when I say Rudy Gobert splits the difference between 45 and 15, 30 would be the midpoint, which is what we're talking about on his ADP. But the 15 slots in front of 30 is actually a bigger bar. If you're picturing the blue bar we've talked about on this show before in your head, uh, 15 to 30 is longer than 30 to 45. Wanted to mention to you guys here mid-show that the fantasy pass is probably your place to be right now. Remember last week we were talking about the Hoopball 360 membership. The Brewski 150 is out. Told you that late last week. Only in the Hoopball 360 package right now. However... If you can wait until Thursday of this week, Thursday is the day the Fantasy Pass gets the Brewski 150. Fantasy Pass already has the draft guide in it. It will, starting on Thursday, have the Brewski 150. It will, starting in the preseason, have DFS package information. And it will, starting on opening night, have all of our in-season stuff. So the Fantasy Pass has all of the tools, the draft guide, the B150, and that's all the B-150 gets added on Thursday. That's the one thing that I know a lot of you guys are waiting for. Brewski's monster list, which I actually think goes deeper than 150 this year. I can pull it up while I'm talking. Yeah, this, he, I think he went 200. So it should be the Brewski 200 this season. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. He's added the notes. The notes are in there now. And uh, just waiting on sites to firm up their ADP numbers. And then you can get the the separation on that stuff which is ah, it's so much fun. I love the B-150. What a great day. Uh, so again, if you need it right now, go get the HoopBall 360 package, which also, by the way, has our wager pass. So you can follow the guys over at HoopBall Gaming and win some cash with all this, the free money we took from my bookie late last week. Uh, but if you don't need that stuff, I, I mean, I, I'd love it if you did. The Fantasy Pass is just $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. Lock it in, friends. Hoop-ball.com, right there on the homepage, there's a Fantasy Pass graphic, and you can just click on that, and it'll take you right to the the buy page. And it's right under the main media wall. It says Fantasy Pass, Fantasy is in purple, lists all the things you get inside of it, Fantasy Appraiser tools, free agency stuff, Roto Balance app, all this cool stuff, just $4.99 a month. This is, again, this is when we... This is when we sell stuff at Hoop Ball. There's like two months every year where we sell stuff. So please do check it out. I know many of you guys are going to enjoy it. The B150 is just such an incredible tool to take into your drafts. And you're going to you're gonna blow people away. 
Let's dive back in where we left off. I know I get I get sidetracked so easily. We're half an hour into this podcast already, and anyway, doesn't matter. You guys know me. You guys know I get to talking, and then there's no stopping me, but let's keep rolling here. Um, we're only like six picks through, so that maybe it's going to take us longer than Wednesday to get through this stuff. Pick number 31, I think that's where we're at now, with an ADP of actually 30 and a half, is Vooch who I think was also on the likely Dan Bespris old man squad list, but moves into an almost definite position, getting drafted at 30. This one makes no sense to me. None. You guys remember what Vooch was on a per-game basis this most recent season, which by all accounts was a disappointment because he was, uh, he was a turn guy the previous year. So he disappointed this year, played in 54 ball games, pre-bubble, I know, pre-bubble stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, honest, honest to goodness, I don't remember how many games these teams played before the bubble started. I think the Magic were 65 before the bubble. Who knows? Who knows? So he missed a little under 20% of their games, which put him actually not that far off the league average last year. Huge disappointment, right? You guys all remember. Huge disappointment. Very frustrating. You know where he was? 17! I don't know why. This is one of those, like, cognitive disconnect moments in fantasy where I think everybody remembers Vooch having a season that put him near the back end of the top 30, when in fact, when in fact, he was number 17. He was only a half round off where he was the previous year. And we, I think on this show, we said to take him somewhere in that 13-14 range. So he only missed his number on a per-game basis by two, three slots? Yes, missing 11 games was a little bit of a pisser. He ended up at number 20 by totals. Still a mid-second rounder. I don't get this at all unless everybody thinks he's suddenly on the back end of his career. I don't see it. The Magic are without Jonathan Isaac, likely for the entire season. They didn't bring anybody in, really. The only reason for Vooch's numbers to go down is a departure of DJ Augustine, who I think did a pretty good job of getting him involved. But I have to believe that Markel Fultz is going to be doing at least a reasonable job of that. And, as we've talked about copious number of times on this podcast, the Magic started playing fast in February last year. And everybody on the team rocket-boosted to the finish line. Vooch actually saw his numbers change kind of the least because he always just got his stuff in kind of a normal half-court setting. Aaron Gordon's numbers jumped. Terrence Ross's numbers jumped. Fournier's numbers jumped. Everybody was getting shots coming out of the heavens at the end of the year. It was glorious. Vooch is Vooch at this point. He is incredibly predictable. You guys know I love me some early predictability. Mm-mm-mm. I do love me some early predictability. He is going to take, last two years in Orlando, he's taken 16.9 and then 16.7 shots per game. He had a great shooting season. Two years ago, he shot 52%. Last year, 48. His career mark, 50. Right smack in the middle. What's he going to shoot this coming year? I would venture to guess very close to 50%. His three-pointers have trended up a little bit attempts, which may be why he was closer to 48 than 50 this year. Uh, his free throw shooting after a couple years to start his career where he was in the mid-70s, he's mostly been in the high 70s lately. So I think you can expect that to continue. He's a 10 to 11 rebound guy, a three assist guy, one steal, one block. One and a half three-pointers per game. Just lock it in. He'll have a top 20 per game regular season almost no matter what he does. And then, again, this is that same thing, where if he's getting drafted 10 slots behind that, and his per-game mark is going to be 10 at least slots in front of his ADP this early, we only need him to hit a little under league average in games played to nail his ADP. And anything over that is gravy. Nick Vucevic, I mean, this dude might be my favorite pick in the early part of the draft. And I only say favorite because... 
It's got to be the most obvious damn thing I've ever seen. Going near 30. Like, a worst-case scenario feels like 30. Does that mean that he obliterates that? No. Because, again, worst-case scenarios do happen. But again, also, again, every game he plays beyond whatever that lowest threshold is you're setting in your mind, he moves up a slot. Or two. If he misses, if he plays 75% of his team's games, he's probably number 30. And then if he gets to 80%, he's probably number 25. And if he gets to 85%, he's probably number 20. Or higher. Man, that's an easy one to handicap. John Morant is at 32. That's too rich for my blood, but I think this does have a lot to do with eight category leagues, so he's probably not going to end up on any of my nine cat teams. Not because I don't like him, and not because I don't think he does take a nice step forward here in U2. In fact, he was great in the bubble for Memphis, and he's going to be doing more this year, and probably he'll be better at it. But in nine category leagues, getting above this mark would be astounding. 33 is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Kind of figured you'd have to sell a child to get him in fantasy leagues this year. And you do. And you might still want to. He finished last year number 25 by totals. Super durable. And that was on 15 shots a game. I've got to think that number's going up. More usage, more value. Especially as he kind of figured himself out partway through this last year. And on top of everything else, he probably gets better at the three ball. He probably gets better at free throw shooting. Shea Gilchrist-Alexander is probably going to be a second-round pick this year if he stays healthy. So it's not at all crazy to take him in the third round. And it's exciting. It's a rare moment when I've been like, this guy's going really early, and it's probably not early enough. He's going to be a monster this year. Absolute monster. Question is... How high does he go? Does he go higher than this? End of the third round, I would actually consider it. I'd rather get him in the fourth. Because, you know, honestly, he's really exciting. And he's he's more roto than anything else. Because he's not scoring a truckload. Rebounds, little assists, a little steals, a little blocks, a little. He's just kind of good at a lot of stuff. So just add, a, you know, a little paprika on top of that. Add a little spice. Chris Paul, actually, right behind Shea. I've lost track. I think that's 34. I can't believe that he's going in the 30s again. Chris Paul was number 7 by totals last year. And admittedly, his role will be smaller. Last year, he averaged 18, 5, and 7. But think about it from this perspective. What did Ricky Rubio do last year? He's pretty much taking Ricky Rubio's job in Phoenix. Ricky was at 13, 5, and 9. And Chris Paul is a much better shooter. Let's say Chris Paul only has the exact usage that Ricky Rubio had, which means let's take Ricky Rubio's numbers from last year, and instead of 41% from the field, let's put it at like 47. What was Chris Paul at this last year? He was at 49. I don't know if we want to go all the way that high, but screw it. Let's do it just for argument's sake. You take Ricky Rubio, you power boost his field goal percent by 8%. In addition to the fact that, you know, you wipe out his worst statistical category fantasy-wise, and you give him Chris Paul's better sort of thought process, vision, decision-making, that's the word we're looking for, on the basketball court, you also give him a a scoring boost because you're hitting 49% of your shots instead of 41, and suddenly you've got the Chris Paul of last year only taking, like, Two fewer shots per game. Which doesn't really... I mean, it does. It does. It changes his value. But not that much. So let's say he goes from 18 points down to 15. Does that really crush him? It's not good. Rebounds, the assists, that stuff. Seems pretty reasonable. It could actually hold. Field goal percent, free throw percent. I see no reason why that doesn't hold. So all of a sudden now, you're talking about a guy who was arguably our biggest win. It might be the biggest win in the history of this show. We've had some misses. We've had some wins. I think Chris Paul last year might be might have been the biggest win we've had on the show. Um, 14 by averages. 
What do we think that means if his shots go from 13 down to 11? Which, by the way, I think he probably actually stays closer to 13. I know he wants to be more of a mentor and have that role, but but ultimately they're going to need him in those big moments, even though they do have more firepower than OKC did last year. But think of it from this perspective. You know, the Thunder had probably more guys that were trying to get a chomp at it. Dennis Schroeder, Shea, Gallo, a lot of shots. They're, they're, they spread things around a little bit more than I think with Phoenix, where you're like, all right, look, Devin, Devin Booker's going to get a crap ton of shots, and DeAndre Ayton's going to get a decent number. But then it's probably Chris Paul after that. Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges. These, I mean, these guys are not. These guys aren't high volume dudes. Kelly Oubre was the third highest volume guy. He's gone now. So I think Chris Paul could actually maintain maybe about a dozen. Say, let's take one shot away from him. Drop him from number fourteen in the rankings to like eighteen, nineteen. He's gonna smoke his ADP again. That's that's insanity. It's not gonna be as overwhelming. It's not going to be as overwhelming. Not, not going to be close. He'll be closer to his ADP this year than last year. Plus, I would venture to guess that he probably doesn't play every single game again. Something's going to happen. He'll have some injury. He can not going to go two full years without having any injury. But damn. I think on the per-game side, he beats that 35 number, or whatever the hell we're at right now. 34? Pascal Siakam with an ADP of 36.6. I think that makes him number 35 on the board here. Although I admit, again, I have completely lost track. Um, He's number 36 on a per-game basis last year, and he did miss some time. I think this year you're liable to see him improve slightly upon his field goal percent while everything else stays pretty close to the same. So I think this is a pretty good spot for him, actually. 35 is about where he belongs. So this gives him a decent chance to outperform that number. A decent chance. Not guaranteed, but again, you're talking about the window. The back end of that window is he's probably not going to finish much behind, say, 45. And that's if injuries strike. But if if he's relatively healthy, he'll beat this number. So he's a really safe play. There's a lot of super safe plays in the... In the 30s. Again this year. That's how it always goes. Who are you going to roll the dice on in the teens and 20s before you get to all these really easy ones in the 30s? You could honestly take one of these guys earlier, and I wouldn't be that upset with it. I mean, don't, but you could. Kristaps Porzingis, 37.7 is the number there, which I think makes him... What did I tell you? Vooch was 30 or 31? I think it was 31. Two, three, four, five, six. So that's 36. Yeah, this is too early for me on Chris Dops. I, not, not with him missing the beginning of the season. That's right out. Andre Drummond at 37. This is a pretty good spot for him. Um, I think this is roughly where he ends up with the Cavs. I'm probably not taking him in this range because there isn't that... It's contract year, which is intriguing. So he might beat this number. But with as many guys right around him here as I feel are much more confident winning plays why roll the dice at this exact spot when the the downside is extraordinary way too much downside there and he's not going to be the guy he was in Detroit he might move back towards it he might even you know he might be a top 30 guy on a per game number he might just go nuts this year trying to secure a contract um but there's there's a lot of things that could go wrong they have other centers in Cleveland they're not playing for much Chris Middleton is the next guy. I believe we are, oh, is that 38? I hate this. I hate keeping track of the number. (laughs) Just look at the ADP. Uh, Chris Middleton is 38. This is nice, actually. I thought he would go pretty close to where he finished last year at 24. When when we were doing the Bucks breakdown in the middle of last week, I think I even said, you know, I expect him he'll probably be drafted around 25 to 30, and he's probably going to take a small hit this year. But from 24, where he was last year, his minutes aren't going anywhere. His usage isn't really going anywhere. It's can he maintain a 50-40-90 pace, and probably not is the answer there. But if he's getting drafted around 38, that once again makes him a very safe play. He's safe in that neck of the woods. Kyle Lowry at 39, brilliantly safe play. 21 on a per-game basis last year. 
There's no reason that changes. He only took 14 shots a game. He doesn't really need to do doesn't need to do more or less to beat this number. There's a rest factor there that scares me a little bit. So, like, if you're if you're putting all these guys head-to-head with one another, and by the way, Zach Levine is number 40, and I think probably where we will pause our discussion today, if you gave me this whole list here, and admittedly, you know, there's a reason that Chris Paul, Siakam, are going in front of Kyle Lowry, but if you just gave me the list of these guys in the 30s, that are getting drafted in the 30s. Lowry is, is well, get rid of Porzingis, because that's an insane one. And then John Morant in 9-cat, because that's an insane one. But stretching from Vooch, Shea, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam, Drummond, Middleton, Lowry, Levine, Lowry is one of your bigger risks there. Because Toronto played relatively deep into the bubble. Lowry is getting older. He's starting to get a little long in the tooth. Played only 52 games last year. He's always going to be a little bit dinged up. A much easier guy to... To, I don't want to say suffer through because generally it's a winner. Much easier guy to have on your team in Roto with a games cap as opposed to head-to-head. Lowry has burned far too many teams missing games at the end of a head-to-head season. But it is worth noting that his missed games pushed him from 21 on a per game down to 30 by total. He probably finishes around 30, if I had to guess. But between the bubble run and age and the fact that Toronto's going to be good again, I don't think he needs to play more than about 75% of their game. So that scares me in a way that while he probably will still make the old man squad as a guy who's likely to beat this 40, roughly, ADP, I don't think he's going to do... He's not going to be like Chris Paul last year where we get him near 40 and he finishes in the teens. His per-game mark could still be around 20, I am genuinely concerned that the totals mark falls back into the mid to late 30s. And then Zach Levine is another kind of a little bit of an eight-cat test case there. He was really, really good last season. Uh, He played in a ton of ball games. He was durable even under Boylan. He was number 21 by totals in nine category leagues. Uh, But again, by averages, he was number 41. And I do think there's a very slight hit coming to Levine. 20 shots a game is a bit on the high side. Kobe White's going to do more. Otto Porter's going to do more. Larry Markkinen's going to do more. Wendell Carter Jr. is going to do more. They're going to be more fun. They're going to be a a faster-paced team, so that might be enough to sort of counterbalance the fact that he's going to have to share the rock a little bit more. Uh, But you're, you're counting on extreme durability to beat this mark because his per game is probably going to be relatively close to this. Meaning if he stays healthy, he probably does beat this ADP, Uh, you know, but that's the, that's the battle you're fighting here at the end of this top 40 Kyle Lowry almost definitely will have a better per game mark than Zach Levine, but they could flip spots based on who plays, you know, Levine hasn't played a ball game since March. He is well rested to say the least. Kyle Lowry, deep into the bubble, older, always banged up, trending down. I love them both, and I, I frankly, I love the 30 to 40 window in ADPs right now. This, this is among my favorites. There are a ton of easy winners in here. I think Levine, Lowry are both relatively easy winners. Middleton, Siakam, Paul, Vooch, those guys are all guys that I think cakewalk to their ADP, or very close to it, and then probably past it. There's no reason to take a risk in this range. And even calling Shea a risk I don't think is fair. I, he, he's guaranteed massive usage this year. There just there aren't any, any risks there. So that's why when if we dial it back further to what we talked about towards the beginning of this podcast, first of all, before I even say that, there are going to be people that have pick around you know, 37, 38, and they're going to be like, well, I'm never going to... It's near a turn. It's never getting back to me, so I'm going to reach. It's going to happen. Someone's going to reach for someone in there, and these guys are just going to keep falling farther, the old man squad types. But looking back towards the tail end of the 20s, you know, you could make a reasonable argument that someone like a Drew Holiday, who's probably going to have an okay season, I might rather just dig into one of these safe guys. I might rather take a Chris Paul and just say, you know what, I, you know, at least I know what this guy's going to be doing. Probably don't. I mean, and and that's the magic of ADP, is that it does steer us a little bit. It does. You know, I think 
I think Chris Paul and Drew Holiday probably finish pretty damn close to one another this year. One of them's going around before the other. Would I dare would I dare reach for Paul earlier just because I feel that he's going to be such a simple win? No, because, and this is what we talked about on Friday, optimum draft order matters. If you have pick 28, you don't take Chris Paul there. You take the guy that's likely to be gone when it gets back to you. That's how it works. If you want both, say, Vooch and Paul, last time we used Vooch and Embiid on our Friday example, you take Vooch first because he's less likely to return to you. If you want Drew Holiday and Vooch, you take Drew first because he's less likely. You know, again, not a great example because I don't think I'm bending over backwards to get Drew Holiday this year, but you catch my meaning. Big thank you, by the way, to everybody that took place, uh, took part in our MyBookie mega promo last week. I hope you guys had fun with that. Four of our middles hit from Odds Boost Friday. We set up middles of about a touchdown apiece in football games, and four of them hit. That was $200 free dollars. Actual cash, no, no promo stuff there, no rollover on that. A lot of us, I think, put bets down on Thursday on the risk-free Thanksgiving bet. I'm guessing about half of us won it. That was... Uh, Texans and Lions. If you bet on the Texans, you won it. If you bet on the Lions, you got your money back. That was up to 250 bucks. We still have a Ben Roethlisberger and Lakers futures wager from that odds boost that's that's hanging in the balance. And you know we weren't really, won't get any clarity on the Lakers one for almost a year now. <laughs> uh, but Roethlisberger hopefully will know more by tomorrow. That's just a ten dollar bet. When all rolls together, if you got your risk free wager on Thursday right. For 250 bucks, and these odds boost wagers hit, that'll be about $450 in profit from those promos. And if you missed the Thursday one, well, we're still going to make about 200 bucks. We hit our rollover betting on the odds boost stuff. You can cash that out if you want to. In fact, I'll tell you right now what I'm going to do is because I had a bunch of money uh, tied up in election related wagers, and they did finally grade those on. I think Wednesday of last week. Uh, so a bunch of money just came into my account between the odds boost stuff, the the winners on the election related things. Um, I don't need all of the money that's in my account. I'm going to cash out my initial deposit, which is a couple hundred bucks. I'm not a big, not a high roller over here. I'm not a big spender. I'm going to cash that out, put it back in my bank account, either as Bitcoin or an e-check, and I'll play with my profits. Slowly but surely, we're going to grind it out I'll be betting basketball with you guys this year. On this podcast, we'll talk about it. Any other promo stuff that comes up on my bookie will obviously be a big part of. We're just going to keep growing it. Take a few hundred bucks out here and there. Just put it into a side account, fund money, do something cool with it. And what I would ask of all of you guys is that if you did take part in some of these promos and you guys won two, three, four hundred dollars with us without doing anything, cash out a little bit. Get yourself that fantasy pass, $4.99 a month. Put a little bit back into the hoop ball coffers. I promise I will keep guiding you to more of these free money things. We will make more together on promos than you will spend on your fantasy stuff. And then you can go win your fantasy leagues too. By the way, if you haven't had enough, my bookie has one more Cyber Monday promo for today. If you haven't signed up yet, you're, in, you're a maniac. You missed out on a whole bunch of stuff, but there's one more chance uh, to sign up and get and, and take part in one of these promotions, go to mybookie.ag, use promo code HOOPBALL, and Cyber Monday is a BOGO. It's a buy one, get one, meaning up to a $100 wager on Monday Night Football tonight. Win or lose, you will get that exact amount to play on next week's Monday Night Football contest. So it's basically a two-to-make-one kind of thing, old-school free-throw style. If you win your wager tonight on Monday Night Football, you still get the uh, the free play on next week's Monday Night Football. So you could actually end up winning both. If you lose this one, you get the free play on the next one to potentially make up for it. There is a 1x rollover on whatever gets put into that next week's wager. So if you put, for instance, if you put 50 bucks on the bet tonight and you win it, cool, they give you another $50 to bet on next week's Monday Night Football game. And after that, win or lose, you have to bet $50 on something else. That's how that rollover works. So you have to use that $50 on something after 
the free play, which is not very much considering we'll knock that out on the Nest Odds Boost, or you can knock it out over 10 $5 wagers or five $10 wagers, whatever the, you want to do with it. So it's a really easy rollover with just a 1x. That's super low. That's nothing. Um, if you know nothing about football, like me, then you just close your eyes, you pick one tonight, you hope it hits. If it doesn't, you get the one next week, you hope that one hits. If you miss them both, then yeah, you end up losing your initial bet. So there is a way you lose, but there are three ways you win, which is great, because normally if you went one and one, you'd break even. In this particular case, if you go one and one, you actually make money, because they're funding the next wager. You have to lose both bets to lose one. Meaning going 0-2 is like going 0-1. You're, you're getting one in the win column automatically. Does that make sense? So if you put 50 bucks on it today and you lose, they're going to give you 50 bucks to bet on next week's one. If you win that, then you end up breaking even. Even though you only had to put in one of your own wager. Nah? Meh? Maybe? Anyway, this one's not quite as amazing as the stuff last week, but there is an opportunity to win a couple of bucks. I'm probably going to do something small. I don't think I'm going to do the full hundo on it. I might put like 20 bucks on, I don't know, who the hell's playing? Seahawks, Eagles tonight? I'll, I'll pick one of those two sides. And if I win, terrific. Well, uh, then they'll just give me a bet to put on the next week's one. Risk-free. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, so if you're winning money on this, come on, spend a little bit on hoop ball. Least you can do, right? Free podcast. I'm getting you guys cash. Get something cool. Hoop-ball.com. I am Dan Bespris again. Hit me up on Twitter. All the reasons I mentioned earlier in the show. Recruiting, hoop ball leagues, questions, whatever you got. Lay it on me. Oh, uh, did get a write-in question today that I wanted to answer before we wrap up the podcast. Now, we're, uh, we're running a little bit long here. Um, this is from Batali. It says, uh, when you talk ADPs and where we should be drafting players, are you referring to Roto or head-to-head? How do we interpret what you're talking about in the standings well generally what i'm referring to is roto because roto incorporates all of the stats all of the categories that are in the ranking list and right now i'm looking at a nine category rank so roto matters in head-to-head turnovers don't matter as much it's as simple as that because the team that has more games played on any given week has a better chance to win overall right so look think about it from this perspective in head-to-head By maximizing games played, you are adding points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Six out of your nine categories are getting an artificial bump because you got extra games played. One category takes a hit. That's turnovers. And two categories are probably a wash, depending on who you pick up. Field goal percent and free throw percent. Someone you pick up who's good at field goal probably hurts your free throw and vice versa, generally. Not always, but generally. So yeah, in head-to-head, you want to maximize games played. In Roto, you have a games cap, so there's really no advantage to trying to pile up stuff in the six counting categories. In head-to-head, there is. So in head-to-head, you're basically punting turnovers to begin with. You don't have to do a turnover punt on draft night, because if you do, you're going to end up with six point guards by accident. But you end up kind of doing that anyway. So certain guys get a little bump. The high turnover guys generally get a little bump when you talk about head-to-head stuff. So yeah, you know, when I say, you know, this guy is this place, but in 9-cat, this is what I do, or in 8-cat, this is what I do. When I say 8-cat, I generally mean if you're playing in an 8-category league or if you're playing in a 9-cat head-to-head league, especially come playoff time where you're really going to be streaming hard. In the regular season in a head-to-head league, There are going to be weeks where you just have fewer games than your opponent, and you'll probably accidentally win turnover. So it's not a straight punt, but it's a semi. I hope that makes some measure of sense. Uh, Thank you once again to our buddies over at Manscaped as well. We'll give you a longer promo on that tomorrow. That, of course, is promo code HOOPBALL20. You've got a chance to go check that out uh, on Cyber Monday here. They've got 25% off today, just like they did on Black Friday. So whatever you're getting over there, do it today. Don't miss your chance to get the extra 5% off uh, and throw a coupon code on top of it. You're golden. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Long show. Thanks for sticking with us. Back at you tomorrow. We'll continue our exploration of the Yahoo ADPs as long as it takes. As long as it takes. So long, everybody.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.